Dagon's Illusion, Episode 36, Strange Odor. Robert Dagon opened his eyes and groaned. He was lying on a couch in the attic. Joshua Staples was sitting in a chair contemplating the ceiling. It sounded like a freight train was rolling across the roof. Good morning. I was just sitting here imagining what it'll be like when the roof falls in and we get squashed like nasty little toads. By the sound of it, that ain't far off. Dagon sat up and looked at his watch. The hurricanes made landfall. Where's Eustace? Don't know. Hasn't come back since he left to look for Vampire Girl. What time was that? Oh, maybe four, five. Can't remember. Where the hell is he? I'll bet he went outside. He'd do that just to piss me off. I've got to go look for him. He struggled to his feet and almost fell over. Easy there, Mr. Dagon. Still a little concussed, are you? Suppose we shouldn't have let you sleep. You might have croaked. At this point, croaking would be a pleasure. Don't say things like that, sir. You ain't ready. The last person you want to meet is the great judge of fake mind readers. Go screw yourself. Dagon headed for the stairs. Long as we're talking about getting screwed, guess I better go with you. Staples got up. Just keep your ass glued to that chair. Nope. I got a job to do, and I'm going to do it. Oh, dear God. Well, good for you. Prayer is a positive step, Mr. Dagon. And you gotta take baby steps before you can become a real prayer warrior. You are so full of crap it just bubbles out every time you open your mouth. That was a big step backward. The Almighty ain't a fan of scatological references. Leaving the stairs, Dagon and Staples fought their way through the third floor of the mansion. Eustace wasn't there. When they reached the second floor, they passed a broken window. Rain was blowing in. Shielding his face, Joshua looked out. Hey, there's something out in the yard! But the wind was so loud that he could barely be heard. What did you say? Look out the window! Dagon looked. In the dim light of the raging storm, he could just make out a body lying next to the mausoleum. Running down the stairs, he rushed to a door. The instant he was outside, the wind hit him and almost blew him away. It took all his strength, but finally he reached Eustace and dropped down beside him. Eustace's eyes were closed and he was so covered with filth that he looked like a mud man. Across the yard, Joshua left the house and headed toward them, but this was pitiful to watch. Unable to walk against the wind, he staggered and stooped and spun. Several times he was blown down. Finally, half crawling, he made it to Dagon and screamed, We're gonna drown! Is he dead? I don't know. We've got to get him to the house. Lifting the huge man under the arms, they tried to drag him. Ain't gonna work. It's like moving a dead elephant. We've got to. Joshua wiped the water from his eyes and looked at the mausoleum. The door was cracked open. How about in there? What? In there? He pointed. Hell no. Why not? I'm not putting him in that place. <laughs> you just go for it. Joshua let go of Eustace. Dagon struggled for a moment, then gave up. All right in there. It took all their strength, but finally they managed to pull the huge man into the crypt and close the door. Dim light shone through a stained glass window. Laying him on the floor next to a sarcophagus, they gasped for breath. Staples dropped down and checked Eustace's neck for a pulse. Well, he ain't dead yet. Eustace! Eustace, wake up! Dagon shook him. Slowly, Eustace's eyes flickered and he grunted. Away, sleepy time. 
It's not sleepy time. Open your eyes. Instead, Eustace turned on his side and curled into the fetal position. Joshua shook his head. Retards, God bless them. They're stubborn as mules. Eustace, leave, leave, leave alone. Then he expelled a huge amount of gas so loudly they heard it above the storm. Hooey! Staples held his nose. Did you know that a human's supposed to fart 14 times a day? But old Eustace here, he done his 14 in one big blast. Dagon grabbed Eustace's hair and shook his skull until his teeth rattled. Eustace, wake up! We can't stay here. We've got to get back to the house. Slowly he began to awaken and he was not happy about it. He grunted and grimaced and tried to push Dagon away. If you don't wake up, I will never let you paint on the toilet seat again. I swear to God I won't even let you sit on the toilet seat. You will have to crap in the dumpster. This got his attention. Slowly he sat up, rubbed his face, and burped. What happened to you? Did something hit you? Huh? Eustace stared bleary-eyed. Did something knock you out? He didn't answer. Instead, he started to lie back down. Don't you dare lie down. Get your ass up. While Dagon worked with Eustace, Staples looked around the small room. Who's buried in here? What? Who's buried in here? Place gives me the creeps. A woman who owned the mansion. Keep going, Eustace. Stand up. Eustace had reached a squat, but from there wasn't moving. You sure about that? Sure about what? About who's buried in here? Yes, I'm sure. But she ain't anymore. The lid of the sarcophagus had slid a foot off its base, and Staples was staring into the hole. Pulling out a cigarette lighter, he flicked it open and stuck it inside. Take a look! Dagan joined him. The glow from the lighter didn't extend far, but it was enough to see that there was no floor in the sarcophagus, just an empty space that dropped down into the earth. Dagan stared into it. Staples stuck in his arm as far as it would go and peered in. Thought the idea of these things was to keep bodies out of the ground. Somebody went to a lot of trouble to keep water out, but they sure wanted to go deep. Looks like the walls are lined with lead. Let's see how far down they go. Picking up a broken piece of the sarcophagus, he dropped it into the hole. It was several seconds before it hit bottom. Now I'd call that one heck of a grave. What do you think's down there? Eustace raised his hand. He had gotten up and was standing beside them. His face was black with mud. Me, me, me. Eustace, no. You do, huh? So what's in the hole, champ? Eustace stuck his face in and took a deep breath, filling his nostrils. Then he raised up and stared at them. With a grim look, he muttered, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Smells, smells, smells like giants. A few minutes later, they were back in the building. Look, I don't want one word said to anybody about that hole out there, understand? Streams of water were running from them, and they looked like three drowned rats. They had to yell to be heard. Who are you talking to, me or your janitor? I'm talking to both of you. If you got giants living out there, there are no giants living out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Smell, smell them. Smell giants. Which poses the interesting question, what does a giant smell like? Must be kind of subtle, because I didn't catch nothing and I got a nose like a bloodhound. Dagon groaned. Eustace, very, very, very hungry, hungry. Now there's something we can agree on, but I'm not sure I can look another can of spam in the eyeball. There's food in the kitchen upstairs. What? You been holding out on us all this time, making us eat cannibal food? Well, I'll be darned, I should have known, didn't see you sucking down no spam. Dagon led them through the rear of the mansion to the main hall. They were just about to climb the stairs when two people stumbled through the front door fighting the wind. It was Tony Thrain and Millicent Carmody. 
They were soaked and the girl was shivering. Tony was almost carrying her. Over the roar of the hurricane, he yelled, Can you guys help us? We're in trouble. Dagan called out, Come on in. As they struggled down the hall, Tony yelled, Thank you. It's horrible out there. I didn't think we'd make it. I'm Tony Thrain. This is Millicent Carmody. She lives close by, but her parents aren't home. I found her a mile away. She's sick. She says she knows the family that lives here. The what? The family. I told her this is Dagan's illusion, a nightclub, but she wouldn't believe me. You're Mr. Dagan. Dagan squinted at him. What did you say your name was? Uh, Thrain. Suddenly, Tony looked very uncomfortable. I'm sorry to bother you, sir, but the storm's so bad we had to get in someplace. Who does she think lives here? Millicent gasped for breath. Please, I need to see Mr. Corneal Moon. He knows me. You want to see who? Mr. Corneal Moon. He'll help me until I can find my parents. Dagan stared at her. Uh, Mr. Moon isn't around right now. What about Mrs. Moon or Felicity or Constance? None of them are here either. What am I going to do? She started crying. You can stay here until the storm ends, then we'll help you get home. Come on, it's warm up in the attic. We'll get you something to eat. He turned to the others and yelled, Eustace, take them to the second floor kitchen. There's food in the refrigerator. They all headed upstairs. On the second floor, Eustace led Joshua and Tony into the kitchen while Dagan helped Millicent to the attic. When they got there, he went to a chest and pulled out some blankets. I don't have any clothes to give you, but these will keep you warm. I'm going back downstairs. Take off your wet things and wrap yourself up. Suddenly, she was frightened. No, please, don't leave me alone. She pulled the blankets around her. Who are you, sir? I've never seen you here before. I'm Robert Dagan. Do you work for Mr. Moon? Not exactly. Then why are you here? And where are the servants? The servants left before the hurricane struck. I'm uh, taking care of the place. Everywhere I go, everything is different. It's all changed. In just a few days, I don't know what's happened to me. She fought to keep from crying. Your friend said you're ill. Yes, I've been very sick. What kind of illness? I don't know. What have you been feeling? For several days, I've had a high fever and awful headaches. I've got a headache right now. My father is a physician. He and my mother were taking care of me. Then last night, I got really ill. I went to sleep, and when I woke up, I was in, I was in Tony's cart. His what? The thing that he rides in that doesn't need a horse. I've never seen anything like that before. Would you answer a question for me? If I can. What year is it? Why do you ask that? Oh, I see. You think I'm mad, don't you? You think I've lost my mind. No, but I'd appreciate it if you'd answer the question. It's 1876. Is there anything else you want to know to assure yourself that I'm not a lunatic? No, that's all. Dagan was watching her closely. It was clear that she was serious. Why don't you get some rest? It's been a long night, and I'm sure you're wiped out. Wiped out? What does that mean? It means tired. What a strange phrase. But yes, I'm exhausted. As she lay down on the couch, she buried her face in her hands. What has happened to me? Why is everything different? Why was I out in the street? I just want to go home. Maybe if I go to sleep, when I wake up, this awful dream will end. Dagan sat down next to her. Do you still have a fever? May I touch your forehead? Yes. He laid his hand above her eyes. Your hand is so cool. It feels so good. Would you leave it there for a minute? Breathing deeply, she looked up at him. Please forgive me. I'm for being so impolite. I'm just confused. Thank you for being kind to me. I like you, Mr. Dagan. I think I like you very much. 
Then almost immediately she was asleep. Quietly, Dig and Rose went downstairs and joined the others in the kitchen. They were eating sandwiches of cold cuts. Tony stopped eating. How is she? Is she going to be all right? She's asleep. Man, she is one weird chick, but I feel sorry for her. I appreciate your taking us in this way, Mr. Dagan, and the food. I was starving. Yeah, I appreciate it, too. Of course, I would have appreciated it a lot more before I filled my guts with spam. Dagan began making a sandwich. So, Tony Thrain, I remember you. A professional pickpocket. Joshua stared at him. Is that right? Tony hung his head and didn't answer. Yes, that's right. Mr. Thrain and I have met before. He was a temp bartender that we hired to work a big party last year. That was all a mistake, sir. A big misunderstanding. What I did was stupid, but I didn't mean any harm. What did you do, boy? Must have been something really good. Mr. Thrain picked the pockets of ten distinguished guests, wallets, watches, even used handkerchiefs. See, that's the proof that it was just an act. I wasn't going to keep the stuff. You caught me before I had a chance to bring them up to the bar and give it back. It was stupid, but I wanted to give a demonstration because I wanted to work for you. I'm not a criminal. It's an act. I appreciated your not turning me over to the cops. So where do you ply your craft now, Mr. Thrain? I'm a bartender at Blue Note Charlie's. I do a 30-minute act every Friday and Saturday night. I've got a lot of references. I'll bet you do. Now, just exactly where'd you find this girl? Over on Washington Avenue. She was lying out in the road. If I hadn't picked her up, I think she'd be dead. And where did she say she lived? Close by here, at the Briar Rose B&B, but she called it Carmody House. We went there, but nobody was home. She insisted on going inside. I got in through a window. The second she walked in, she went nuts. Said everything had changed overnight. New furniture, even new walls. I heard people with high fevers go wacko. As soon as the storm lets up, she needs to go to the ER. She said her old man's a doctor, otherwise I would have taken her straight to a hospital. Did you notice the color of her skin? What do you mean? Did it look normal to you? I don't know, I guess. Did she vomit? All over the inside of my truck. What color was it? I didn't take a real close look at it. It sure stunk and my truck's a mess. If it was black, probably there was blood in it. Now that I think about it, it was kind of dark. One possibility is yellow fever. It was hard to tell in the lamplight up in the attic, but she looks very jaundiced. And there were some other things. Joshua stopped eating. Ain't that just the best news in the world? We go from vampire girl to plague princess. We're all going to turn yellow, puke blood, and croak. Tony was pale. Especially me. I'm not saying that's what she's got. It's just a possibility. When the storm lets up, we'll take her to a hospital. How could she get yellow fever? Nobody gets that anymore. Not in the U.S. because there's a vaccination. But they do in other countries. All you need is a bite from one infected mosquito. A long time ago, it killed a lot of people in New Orleans. Tony stared at his sandwich. Suddenly, he wasn't hungry. If she's that sick, no wonder she's out of her mind. But what happened to her parents? If her old man's a doctor, why wasn't she in a hospital? And why would they split? Who is this Cornel Moon? Does he work for you? No, he doesn't work for me, but I've met him. Dagan continued eating in silence.